0: Now approaching Junction at platform Airport, Please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot.
1: What is it all about? The idea of starting a car company when DeLorean had been a spectacular failure and it it cost hundreds of millions of dollars to get one started, the idea that we were gonna actually start a car company was totally ludicrous.
2: Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from deep inside the Silicon Valley future machine. Thank you for tuning in and downloading or however it is that you're listening. And of course, also thank you ahead of time for taking a moment right now to stop, give a rating and review to the podcast. As I always say, every little helps. This week, we have a very good one for you. Tim Draper is with us. And Tim is one of the most prominent venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. His firm Draper Fisher Jurvetson backed some of the biggest ever successes in the industry from Tesla and Hotmail to Skype and loads of others. He also backed Theranos, the gigantic blood thinning fraud, which we also talk about. So and I think what you'll you'll find his take on that company uh, surprising. Anyhow, he's a very big personality, and his venture capital firm reflects that. So just to give you a bit of a sense before we get to the interview, if you were to walk into Draper Fisher's headquarters, what you would find at the front desk is not a front desk, but actually a carve-out of a Tesla Model 3, which is where two receptionists sit. So that's a bit jarring. And then across one wall is a giant mural, and it's probably, I don't know, 50, 75 feet across by 20 feet high. I'm making these numbers up. You get the idea, it's big, and it's full of superheroes, and there's Superman, Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman, and of course, Draper himself, and he's ripping open his button-up shirt to reveal a giant D on his chest. Anyhow, D- Draper agreed to sit down uh, with us for five big questions, which range from his gigantic $140 million personal bet on Bitcoin to why he funded a proposal to break up California into three states. He actually got this on the ballot. It didn't work, um, which we also talk about. And we also talk about his biggest hits and his biggest misses investment-wise. I think you'll really enjoy it. And just a word of warning, when we talk about Bitcoin, the numbers we bandy about are a bit off because Bitcoin being Bitcoin, the price has fluctuated pretty wildly since then. And one more thing I would encourage you to stick around to the end because at the end there's a little audio nugget for you it's called the bitcoin shuffle but i will let tim explain that here he is first question is bitcoin
1: bitcoin is awesome okay so paint the picture have you please. heard my bitcoin hustle i haven't but oh this is, I ha- this is a- I've, I've written a song and i did it with kelly james and hes You've written he's a song. The, he is the singer and I am the freestyler. It's called the Bitcoin Hustle. Oh my God. Get your Bitcoin Hustle. Go flex that crypto muscle. It's great. So, so I have anyway, not heard the Bitcoin listen Hustle. Listen to it. It's it's great. It's about, you know, so Satoshi pe- and right. how he started this real snowball and how it's really changing the whole So world. let's talk about that snowball. Yeah. So... <laughs>
2: On this podcast, uh, a couple months ago, we had Jason Kalkanis, who's a a big Bitcoin bear, as you probably know. You're obviously a very prominent... Yeah, but it's
1: funny. He was the Bitcoin bear, and he was guessing... He was in our our CEO summit that we do for the Draper Venture Network, and he was a bear. But as a bear, he was saying, yeah, Bitcoin will be $50,000. Oh, really? Oh, Yeah. Even he believed that this was going to be very big. Well, he's saying oh, that he thinks course, it's a fraud. He then, of course, I was I was saying two hundred fifty thousand in four years. Okay, so
2: the question is, why do you think it's going to go there, and what beyond just the price? What do you think this is going to do to society, the world?
1: That's well, out? what it's really great for. I, I get the opportunity to travel all over the world. I get a chance to meet with a prime minister of. Of Argentina and Malta and what I've noticed is the people in a lot of those countries they don't trust their own currency. There's a guy I know in Argentina and the way he pitched me he said I've um, seen my family's fortune disappear three times in my life and I'm only 30
0: Right. With the um, devaluation. Because of and, the
1: devaluations. Right. And, oh, I mean, and there was one mo- moment where nobody could take an Argentinian peso. Or the yeah. banks just said, none of these are any good. I mean, they're, they, they've done crazy things with their currency. And so they're going, yeah, Bitcoin seems a little volatile, but compared to what we've got, it's awesome. And that's true in Nigeria with the Naira and in millions of other people are going to be affected by this they're gonna say wow this currency is better than anything we've got now in the US will probably be the slowest to adopt because our currency is the most stable on the earth but the way I look at it when people say well isn't it very volatile I think no, it's all of the cryptocurrencies that are volatile against Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin. But all the other currencies, the fiat currencies, are are very volatile against a Bitcoin as they slowly disappear into the sunset. And you and, think that's what's going to happen? And I think so, because why would I want a currency? I I am always loading up on Bitcoin as opposed to dollars. I want an, enough dollars so that... You know, I can take care of my family, and I can grow and and take care of my my business and my operation. But after that, I actually think, wait, why do I want a currency that a government has complete control over? So I'm at the mercy of political pendulums, as opposed to a currency where I know there are only 21 million of them in the world, and there are they're going to continue to be more and more valuable, and they are an amazing stored value, and I can pull them down from anywhere in the world,
2: anywhere in the world that has
1: Internet that has yeah. the internet. Yeah. right. I think they all do now. all the countries that are going to allow you know freedom, free speech, free you know use of yeah. information, those countries are going to be great places for cryptocurrency, and Bitcoin is the leading cryptocurrency, and it looks like it's going to be there for ever. And but I guess that's the question of when so, is, there, when so is the tipping point? I can store more value. Mm-hmm. I can move money across border very easily. I can make micropayments now with the Lightning Network. So, you know, all those, those Star Wars credits that come down the screen, yeah. 10,000 people working on a Star Wars movie. Well, they also are supposed to get checks written out in paper for $0.25. Cents. It costs them probably 7 or $8 to send me my $0.25 cent check. Yeah. And I don't completely trust it. And I basically put it on my wall. And so it probably freaks out their accountants because they don't, nobody cashes them. Well, now with Bitcoin, you can actually do micropayments, build it into a smart contract, and have those payments just trickle down to everybody who had something to do with the movie. It's going to make payments to people overseas much easier. It's going to make it easier for me to, to feel comfortable storing my value. I don't know if you've seen this, but how many times Wells Fargo has been hacked. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And the Bitcoin blockchain has never been hacked. There's a lot of fraudsters in and around it. But around the- it, but, but the blockchain never been hacked. And so I feel very, you know, you, once you've got your currency, you've got it off the internet. Yeah. Pretty but do, you safe. Feel,
2: do you feel like there has to be some kind of event for no. Bitcoin to truly take over? No, because anyway? I
1: think it's just a matter of time. Slowly but surely, there are more and more engineers working on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to make those currencies more prevalent and easier for people to use and e- easier for them to manage I think in two years most people will say, wait, why why are you even paying with dollars? You don't have it in a few years. The early adopters will be just swiping their phone or mm-hmm. whatever it is, did, proving it's them and proving they have the money, and they'll be buying their Starbucks. Because that's the
2: problem with Bitcoin also right now is it's so volatile. It's not really a, a really useful medium of exchange. It's more of a store of value at the
1: moment. Isn't that yeah, but it's also a medium of exchange for big items. Now with the lightning network, that's going to be just as fast or faster than the Visa network. So you're going to be able to move money super fast and super cheaply.
2: So in 2014, was it 2014 you bought Bitcoin from the Mt. Gox kind of No, I bankruptcy. think you got two
1: things mixed up. I lost my Bitcoin to Mt. Gox, and that was 2011, How much did you have with them? I don't actually know, but I was supposed to get 40,000 Bitcoin for my $250,000. Part of it was mined, was supposed Mm -hmm. to be mined. And in that case, we got front run by the Butterfly Labs, who who took, took the money built the chip, and didn't deliver it to us. Instead, they just mined it for themselves. Right. So they're people I'd like to get a hold of. (laughs) I always go out and speak, and I go, who here has worked for Butterfly Labs? Right. And then the other was uh, we stored whatever we did get in Mt. Gox, and then that was disappeared. And when when Mt. Gox was announced that they had disappeared all this money, That's disappeared in quotes. Yes. I thought that was the end. And I thought, oh, too bad. This virtual currency was going to be so cool. Yeah. But then the next day, Bitcoin only dropped about 15% in value. And I thought, oh, my gosh, people really need this. And so that's when I went out and I did all the research, tried to hunt down all the reasons people would use Bitcoin. And then when the Silk Road Auction came up, right? right, Where basically government shut down the roads, yeah, and confiscated the coins. Then I bought those from the U.S. Marshals Office, and in in an auction, in an auction, and I I think I was the only one at the auction who bid above market. Everybody else market at the time. This was market was about six eighteen, and I bid six thirty two, and now it's about seven. Thousands. But what, the surprise for me was I got all of them. I thought I might win one or two of the lots. I won all nine lots. And so how suddenly. Much, how much Bitcoin is that? Uh, at the time, I think that was 36,000. So today that's worth 200 million something. I don't count it because I'm saying Bitcoin 250,000 by 2022. Not even thinking about it until then. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um so we're going to leave bitcoin aside for a second okay good question two why do you want to split up california
1: and if you give the listeners well, especially I think our they, overseas okay, listeners, okay i'll give you just, a little bit of a history here yeah. i was on the state board of education in california and i started to realize just how messed up it was california had gone from first in the nation in education to 47th I was trying to figure out why that was. And then I realized that there are no more market forces at all in education in California. People don't even want to leave California because the weather is so good. So there's no market force. You have a monopoly provider, and they've been providing worse and worse service for higher and higher cost for all that time. I call it the bunions, the bureaucratic unions and the Bunyans have, uh, have basically taken a stranglehold over education. So then I realized that they have also taken a stranglehold over California, the entire place. They continue to add more regulations, they continue to add higher taxes, and it's gone from the first, the best, to the worst place to do business in the United States, the worst, the worst, they're fifth rated 50th. And they've gone from the, the best quality of life to the worst quality of life because people can't afford homes. They, you know, all the, all the problems that have happened because of this horrible, horrible government. So I thought, well, look, it needs a fresh start to clear the decks and allow people the opportunity to kind of reinvent their government. There are a lot of new technologies they can bring in. There are a lot of new things they can do. They can provide much better service. And uh, so I went first with six Californias. We got all the signatures we needed, but then they discounted them and said, no, you can't get it on the ballot because we don't believe this set of signatures. And, uh, what do you mean they didn't believe the signatures? Well, because I went in, they said, well, this one didn't count and this one didn't count. Oh, so count, they went like line by line count. and
2: said, oh, this Donald and, Duck doesn't, right. is not so a that, So
1: I thought, okay, well, that's fine. But I learned from the six Californias that people, that was a little bit blowing people's minds. So I went to three Californias and I got about twice as many signatures as I needed. So they couldn't, no way they could discount them down. Right. So how many, they, how many signatures so do you we need got, to get something on the ballot? Got through Secretary of State's office, approved it. I got all the signatures. That was six hundred fifty thousand. We get on the ballot. We're we're awarded Proposition Number Nine, which uh, was was to be voted on when in November, right? And just before they're printing the ballots, I got sued. I didn't actually even get served. I, I didn't even know what happened. I got sued and the Supreme Court cut it off the ballot and said, you can argue to get it back on for 2020. And they used some reason that it would be disruptive or something. And I said, where did this all come from? Well, it turns out the Bunyans paid a nonprofit organization to sue me and they sued just in time to pull it off the ballot I don't think this has ever happened in the history of California, where it was on the ballot and then it was sued off the ballot before people got to vote. And so Californians never got to vote on whether they want three Californians. Here's what happened. The polling went from 8% in favor to 12% in favor to 17% in favor to 27% in favor with 35% undecided. Over what time period? Uh, That was over from when we just got started to when they pulled the plug. And so it looked like this thing has a chance and they got scared and so they pulled all the stops and they proved to me that yes, they are corrupt and nobody's happy with the way California is being run. So but then it would be 52 American states instead of 50. Yeah. Just cuz
2: we have some experience with this in the UK obviously with Brexit. Yeah. Cuz I think in terms of economies they're roughly the same size or very close. I think UK might be mm-hmm. a bit bigger than California but yeah. Um and you think that
1: breaking it up why is that a solution? Currently we've got a state that is completely run by a monopoly and they are running it into the ground this is an opportunity to clear the decks and just say we're we got an opportunity to start over all three of the states can compete for you and me and all the businesses and the people in the state each of the three states has a good coast like one was San Francisco, one was LA, and one was San Diego. So if one is providing really bad service, people can move. And not lose the weather. And not lose the weather. It created a really interesting opportunity. You know, the state has huge unfunded pensions. It has pretty close to broke. The street repairs are no good. The water's no good because they, they haven't put money into infrastructure. The whole town of Oroville had to evacuate because when the rain came, they realized that they had they had a crumbling dam. It has been very poorly run. It's been run for the benefit of the Bunyans.
2: Right. I think I read you had somebody who was involved with
1: Brexit help you out, wasn't that right? Yeah. Gunsters? They're so- fantastic. And it was good having people who are not like Involved so much in california politics and they took a long shot on brexit and they they came through and they were taking a long shot on me and they came through but we all got blindsided by these six judges who somehow got felt like they could just go ahead and vote and throw throw this out so californians can't vote
2: do you think if somebody else had proposed this i.e not a Silicon Valley venture capitalist, millionaire, billionaire, whatever the number is. Uh, do you think that would have changed the way it was received? Because I read a lot of the coverage around it, and you were obviously just getting pilloried.
1: Well, we, I wasn't the spokesperson for it. I, was at, I had another spokesperson for it, and she, she was doing a, an outstanding job. Mm-hmm. The opposition, the people in power, are really good. at at trying to target and isolate the one person, Mm -hmm. but this isn't the one person. This was 650,000 people who signed the petition and another now 27% of Californians who were already in favor with 35% undecided. This was a coming thing. This wasn't one guy that they could go ahead and pick on. You start talking to other people around California, it's all for different reasons, but they all wanted this. They all said, yeah, our education system is a disaster. I can't believe that we're 47th.
2: This idea, does that in any way relate to how you think Bitcoin will ripple through society or technology will ripple through society and what it will do to borders and Right, I think that's
1: a big part of it. I was, I was thinking, yes. Bitcoin and uh, and the blockchain and smart contracts and artificial intelligence and uh, big data with deep learning is going to replace a lot of the non-essential jobs in government and those and out of government and governments generally will be able to operate on two levels: one on this land-based level it's tied to borders and all that. And one on this virtual level where the Estonian government can compete with the U.S. government and the Chilean government on who's going to handle your pension or compete with the Canadian government and the Russian government on who's going to manage your health care insurance. Suddenly, borders are going to be still important for the land-based decisions, like where are you going to put a building up and how, where do the schools go and how does that all happen? Although a lot of the schools might be in virtual reality by that time. But the geographic borders are going to fall generally because we're going to be so global, and I think that's happening. Well, I was thinking, well, with three new Californians, Californians we could actually improve how that might work, because we could be the beginning of this new form of government that starts really competing globally for for the v- virtual governance of a society. And right. I thought that could be a really interesting breakthrough. That was my reason. But the reasons for other people were like, hey, I, was, I lived in Oroville and I had to evacuate. Do I really want these... These bunions running my my state, and and then the guys who who have the you know who go through all the potholes and say, why hasn't this pothole been fixed? You know, eventually they go and they try to fix the pothole themselves, and the bunions come in and say, no, you can't fix the pothole; has to be done by bunions. (laughs) So it's and then um, you know, as a place to do business, we have the most regulation, we have the highest taxes. You know, it's, it is the worst place to do business. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky we have the Silicon Valley. We're kind of resting on our laurels there, though, because we had all of the new technologies and all the engineers came here and people from all over the world came here. It's not sustainable if we're not educating our population. If they don't know, if the, the local doesn't know what a bid is, how are they going to ever be employed? in a world where where that's kind of where it's headed. Yeah. So I, I think we've got a real problem and that it's and they they keep making it school dumber and dumber dumber and dumber <laughs> while technology continues to really advance and so most of the real innovations like more than half maybe two thirds of the people People that we back in uh, as entrepreneurs here are immigrants. Right. So we're not, we're not training our, the people who started living here. The, the well, Californians, yeah. the ones who are Californians. I'm not sure that the same, if this is the same six people mm. in the Supreme Court of California that decided they thought this would be disruptive, <laughs> which of course it would, but it would be awesome. And we'd be a much wealthier state, and we'd be much uh, much friendlier state too. They're still there. Yeah. So I, people say, "Are you going to do it again?" Well, yeah. Let somebody else do it again. Right. No, I'll go back to venture. Cap- i I've, I've, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing venture capital the whole time. But a lot of the press part of my persona has been really tied to the three Californians yeah. and the Bitcoin. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> Question three. We're jumping around a bit. So you're an investor in Theranos. Yeah. I'd love to get a sense of how you think Elizabeth Holmes pulled off what she pulled off. Do you think she was rightly—I mean, obviously the SEC said it was a—I think their words were an elaborate, years-long fraud. Yeah. would get I, your— sense of you know what the Theranos situation and where that sits in kind of the Silicon Valley history of things blowing up spectacularly
1: well I think we have um there is schadenfreude in this country Uh, and and I believe that when an entrepreneur is getting going they do whatever it takes to get that thing up and running But it's interesting that when they get to be big, and she got to be big before her business got big, that was the problem. Because she was doing a great thing for people, which is limiting the amount of blood they'd have to run in a test. She could run 50 blood tests on very little blood. It wasn't already. When they get super big, it seems to be that the competitors come in and they, they kind of say, OK, how are we going to take this down? Because it's a it's a real problem for our life livelihoods. And the ways competitors take them down is usually first they poo poo it, but then they go, OK, got to go hit the press. We've got to go into lawsuits and we've got to go to the government. And they usually do that. Boom, boom, boom. So. That's what happened when the taxis went after Uber. That's what happened when uh, the banks went after Bitcoin. That's what happened when uh, the car companies went after Tesla. That's what happens. And what companies have to do is get to where there are enough customers who love them. That will help them fight back against
2: which has happened in every this. in each of those other cases you just in said, all the other cases the yes. customers
1: were saying yeah Bitcoin man I need that Tesla etc Tesla oh my gosh you're good yeah. for the environment super fast greatest car blah 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 blah, blah. yeah and Uber I mean God yeah. changes your life right yeah yeah and and every time a a city goes and says oh you know we've got to limit Uber and let our taxis have their little monopolistic position. The customer just goes, what? So I'm always promoting uh, for the entrepreneur and the customer. And in this case, I think the entrepreneur and the customer were attacked before the customer got to see how great it was. And I think it was going to be great. It was just going to take more time. And so So you don't have
2: a problem the way it sounded like they're basically lying about what they're product could do because you believed it would get there eventually?
1: Well, that is all a matter of, you know, that's a matter for the courts to decide or whatever. I, I look at it and I say, no, she never lied to me. I funded the company. I lost all my money, but I'm still a great supporter of her. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. I think she's a great entrepreneur and I loved what she was doing and I was hoping that she was going to do it. And be successful because I thought healthcare needed a little bit of a shot in the arm, so to speak. <laughs> but no, that, that isn't the way it panned out. And, uh, you know, a single reporter writing 40 stories in a row seemed to be like a mantra. They were all innuendo, but seemed like this mantra that finally people picked up on and decided oh, then she must be doing something wrong. Right. I mean, she she built a great company. It was gonna be awesome. But
2: uh, I mean, obviously, the SEC seemed to agree with the reporter. Yeah. Well, I mean, they well, it's have difficult have, they have for the government
1: to manage a situation like that because they're hearing it from all of the first. The press starts influencing the populace, and then the populace says, "Hey, why isn't the government doing something about this?" And then the government has no choice. But to go, hey, okay, what's going on? How do we, what's going on here? So now I've seen like five, ten startups all trying to do what she yeah. was doing. So it's coming. Yeah, yeah. And, the, uh, and the, the, you know, the competitors of Theranos were, all they were able to really do was, was stave it off for a couple of years because it's coming.
2: Yeah, because I think there's a company, Grail, that is trying to do, and they've raised like I a mean, billion dollars. I'll go look at that. Yeah,
1: one. I haven't seen that. I've seen, I you know, what did I say? Seven or eight? I think maybe more, like fifteen.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them around. I mean, I know that she's barred from being a public company executive for whatever ten years. But is she still around? Is she still working on something new, or is she still
1: kind of in a bunker? I think she's still trying to make Theranos successful. Really? Huh? Yeah. I mean, it's still, a, still a business. I mean, that's right. what she's working on. <laughs> that's her thing.
2: Right. Question four. Your, maybe not big. It doesn't have to be your biggest. So your your best investment, your worst investment, or the, your worst miss. And the weird. Mm, that's what
1: they really are, because the worst investment, you just lose one time. Yeah, the worst miss. Worst so, miss. so, so if, I mean, there are so your hundreds hit, of those. Yeah. Hundreds of failures. So your biggest hit, your worst miss and your weirdest bet. Biggest hit is probably still to come, but there have been a lot of great ones along the way. Um, Hotmail and Skype and Tesla and uh, SpaceX and... I do and uh, Robinhood now is a fantastic yeah. return. Uh, Coinbase. Uh, are you are you worried about I was you in Twitch. I was on oh, really? Cruise. Oh, I mean wow. I've had a lot of amazing yeah. successes. So that's been it's been really fun and they just keep coming. And I can't say that any one of them parametric technology was an amazing return on investment. PTC, the mechanical design company. So those were, let's put them all into this category okay. of best winner because, yep. and they won for many different reasons. They, they caught it just right. They, they were trying something entirely new that nobody would ever really thought about and they all got big and many of them did get attacked by their competition Yeah, in those ways in like trying to get public well, opinion is, against um, them. Tesla. Skype. Yeah, but Tesla Tesla right now. Skype got totally attacked. They were trying to attack Skype through the, they called it, it was the attack on voice over IP. Oh, yeah. And what was great about that was Skype wasn't voice over IP. It was a different technology. It was peer-to-peer. And so they went after Vonage. And meanwhile, Skype became the biggest long-distance carrier in the world. So, yeah. So this stuff happens. Anyway, so those are the big winners. Um the biggest losers, I've got a ton of those too, because my biggest failures are failures to act. Yeah, so what's your biggest um, and those misses? are I, those are Google and Yahoo and Facebook. Uh, and those more. Are, yeah, and there are more actually, yeah. Airbnb. Um, uh, Google was, hey, we've already got six search engines in our portfolio. Why would we want another one? that was the discussion my partners had and
2: you were, were cuz i met the guys
1: on the plane on a plane ride just randomly i was sitting right now. totally randomly and i said you know these guys are good and i kind of like their name you know that was yeah, yeah. that's all that was my argument <laughs> <laughs> the other guys said well the technology is not as good as this and right right go to has all the the uh, go to they had the rights to yeah. to the uh, first paid search and they you know lots of things that were a lot of good arguments. Facebook, we were in a bidding war, and i didn 't know who we were bidding against and we went from we bid all the way from twenty million up to eighty million dollar valuation, but uh, the other guys got it for one hundred and fifteen one hundred and fifteen million it's now worth that's that 's five hundred billion. yeah so that 's like five thousand four thousand times on the money, so that was a big mistake. <laughs> I should have bid up should have gone to two hundred yeah. million and then uh yahoo we got outbid there too i um there were some other things that were going on but we were outbid uh um, right. for yahoo i was trying to find them their ceo but uh another venture firm found them a better candidate than i did right the candidate i brought them didn't want to do it <laughs> he's not too happy about that either right so those are some of my big misses um Airbnb, I assigned to an associate, but then that associate got overwhelmed with filling out financial forms for us, <laughs> so he never got back to the company. So that was too oh bad. bummer. So that was there were a lot of yeah that stuff happened. Yeah, good news is we saw them all. Yeah, they all came to Draper. And it's still Associates. all about the, the They are, all came to the Draper whatever, but they they come through our ecosystem. And it's still all about the warm intro,
2: the kind of network, or how do you know?
1: I would rather just get it cold straight from the entrepreneur. Warm intro doesn't do that much for me. Oh, really? It actually just slows down our process a little bit. Yeah, because we're looking for specific things. We want them to uh, come through in a pretty systematic way so that I can kind of pick out the things that I'm looking for. Right. So then when we meet with them, it's a whole different thing. So, yeah, we, we, and we take entrepreneurs from anywhere in the world. And that's what we might be the only group well, that's in actually, all of
2: yeah. the world. Sophia Mafuz put us in touch. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah she's yeah, one yeah.
1: of the Draper University yeah. graduates. She's terrific. Yeah. We have a network of venture capitalists around the world. Venture funds are starting to join it because they're saying, "Oh, hey, this is great. Uh, if I see something from it's like a scout network, yeah, from right? Chicago or from somewhere, I have somebody to send it to that I can trust, that can give me will give me a straight answer as to whether I should dig in and take a look or whatever." And uh, deal flow comes the other way too, from you know other places, South America or yeah. or. Africa or Southeast Asia we we do comp- we make investments from in companies from all over the world and and then we started Draper University of Heroes which encourages entrepreneurs to come to the Silicon Valley we take them through kind of a really fun process it doesn't sound fun i talked to sophia about this it's really
2: the kind fun. of survivalist like Here's 20 bucks. Ask get, her, a, get ask her miles. how much she liked it. She, she, I know she did. She, <laughs> she
1: loved it. <laughs> it is fun in retrospect. It, it, when you're going through it, it's very difficult. Yeah, because you said people like break down and they're... Being an entrepreneur is very difficult. Yes, people do break down and people go through this very difficult process. Very much team oriented. So you have your team to support you. But we take them through the process and by the end the ones who make it through, are true heroes. They are ready to be entrepreneurs, and they go back to their countries, and big yeah. deal there because they're now taking risks that they weren't taking before. They're trying things. They end up being great deal flow sources for Draper Associates. So, well,
2: And I imagine also you must have a really interesting, especially when you're getting these people early and all the fits and starts and failures and, and whatnot. You must see people at their absolute lowest and kind of become almost like a psychologist. To That's
1: like. always been a little bit of a part of my job. As a venture capitalist, I think it's important to be a bit of a psychologist. Listening is important. Just listen. Yeah. Entrepreneurs are going through a really rough time. You're breaking new ground. The customers aren't there for a while you have to keep building and building and building until you can show all these entrepreneurs your vision i mean all all these customers your vision and that's a tough thing to do so for years some entrepreneurs are you know outcasts
2: and then they some become, of them and then become
1: lionized some of yeah. them turn the corner but they always look back at their entrepreneurial time and they say that was the best part of my life
2: and are you concerned are you your investor in Tesla and SpaceX? Obviously, Elon Musk has had a rough go recently. And there's that New York Times article where he seemed to be kind of kind of on the edge, a lot of what we're just talking about.
1: But you know how I feel about this. No. Well, it's just the way I feel about it. any entrepreneur who gets really big is suddenly under the scrutiny of whoever. And it's a little like the athletes, great athlete becomes really big, Barry Bonds breaks the record, and suddenly they're going after him mm-hmm. for steroid use and not all those other people. Well, so Elon, he was a, he's a target. I think there is a societal change that would really be helpful here where society would start thinking, how can I thank Elon Musk? How can I thank Bill Gates? How can I thank these people? And I think this is what you do. You say to the, the bureaucracy, you say your income you get instead of 3% or, or tied to your increases are tied to CPI or inflation. Mm-hmm. Your increases should be tied to the GDP growth. And you say he had this kind of an impact on GDP growth. Wow, that was huge. And he's paid this much in taxes. And those taxes have helped build our roads and our schools and our hospitals. That attitude, I think that will be just enough to change a little bit of that attitude. You're asking, but
2: that's like a human nature thing. People like to create heroes and then they like to bring them down and then they like to see them rise again
1: i mean that's just i think that they will still be happy to do all that but they'll have a little bit more of a feeling like wow he has really done a lot for me
0: as you're listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: You're not in the Peter Thiel school of thought that we should go live on a man-made island somewhere and create our own government, are you?
1: No, I think government is a needed thing because, you know, I, you know sometimes I'm sympathetic with what he's thinking, but there are the things that you can build for yourself and your family and your community, but then there are the things that the community as a whole has to has to work together to make happen, because we want shared spaces, we want safe place to live. There is a good reason for having a government. And it's just that now I believe that as governments become more virtual, they are now having to turn their heads a little bit to think from, from instead of we're responsible for the, all that we see, now they have to start thinking governments have to compete for their people and they have to provide better service or their people will go to a different government. And I think that that's the thinking that could, uh, could really improve things. Then I'd actually be very thrilled to be, if, if I knew that there were three Californians and they were all competing for me, I would say, hey, right. hallelujah, this is fabulous.
2: We kind of got comp- what took a right turn, the SOs, but <laughs> you didn't say like they're the most off the wall thing you ever invested in.
1: Well, what's interesting is that the most off-the-wall things are often the ones that become the biggest. And I think Tesla was probably the most off-the-wall because we were talking about an electric car. At that time, anybody who drove an electric car was either a golfer or a tree hugger, right? (laughs) Because, you know, the the one that that George Shultz rode around in, that was like, it would go five miles and then it'd be done, the idea of starting a car company when DeLorean had been a spectacular failure and it, it cost hundreds of millions of dollars to get one started, the idea that we were gonna actually start a car company was totally ludicrous. Right. And right. that that was that was pretty crazy, but it ended up working out working yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, we've had other crazy ones where we, you know, I have investments out there that are are going to make it so that we can accelerate vehicles indefinitely through space and get us potentially to to Alpha Centauri or whatever in a reasonable amount of time. In space, really?
2: you don't need any nearly space, as much
1: torque. Theoretically, in space, it is a vacuum. There are companies that are creating a um, an accelerator it doesn't matter how slowly you're going but if if you just keep accelerating you know you can go to the speed of light or beyond so it's really kind of cool that, that is pretty wild yeah and so we're working with somebody who's going to figure out how that we should have them on the podcast
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> question five
2: is do you think money is potentially destroying silicon valley if you look at like softbank of a hundred billion dollar fund and are just throwing enormous amounts of money and then you have Facebook and Google playing Wall Street sal- salaries to rank and file employees which in theory disincentivizes them to go off and do other things do you think we are at that a dangerous point in that in the cycle the technology cycle
1: interesting you mentioned the the vision fund I thought the vision fund was brilliant because for years After Sarbanes-Oxley, after that heavy regulation that the government put on companies, it made it almost impossible for any company that was under $5 billion market cap to go public. And so there was a huge gap. I tried to solve it in another way, but not nearly as brilliantly as he did. There was this huge gap in the financial marketplace. A company gets to be... 50 million in revenues, and they're growing fast, and they're profitable, everything's going their way. They can't get public, so they can't get money. So what he did was he said, they can't get public and they can't get money. We've got this huge opportunity in between here and there that has been regulated into existence for us. And as long as they keep those heavy regulations on public companies, protecting the individual investor right. from themselves, as long as they keep those, we've got a fantastic financial opportunity. And he's taken it and he's run with it. And yeah, Totally brilliant. The other thing you mentioned was the Google and Facebook and what they're paying to a starting engineer or whatever. And you said a Wall Street-like salary. Well, I sort of feel like an engineer maybe should be making as much as a Wall Street salary. I mean, one's brilliant financially and one's brilliant as an engineer and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And I look at that and that's a marketplace. It has been tough on us as venture capitalists because around here in the Silicon Valley, we're looking, we're saying, oh my God, Google paid that much for a starting salary for an engineer. How are we gonna get that guy out? He's going to be spoiled before he comes out. Let's hope he's not spending his Google money and he's just putting it away so he can start a business. So yeah, we do have some of those problems. But until there is a better system, you said money, there probably is a better system. Until everybody's using Bitcoin, um, we're going to have those problems because the regulators own the currency. And they're telling us all what we're supposed to do. And they're, con- they're going to create gaps in the financial marketplace. And those gaps are going to be filled in whatever way entrepreneurs and businesses need to fill them. Bitcoin may actually solve some of those problems because it is not tied to any government. It is open. Everyone knows what it's worth. It won't have financial gaps. Now, there will still be regulators who come in and try to... Yeah. Protect the whoever. And in some cases, I think that's a good idea. But in general, I think that actually really hurts society as a whole, particularly the protection of the individual investor. I understand the idea of protecting older people with their pensions. But somebody who's 26 years old, just starting out, suddenly they're told, all you can invest in right now are... General Motors and GE and Procter & Gamble, you can't invest in this new cool thing that you're doing with your you know, classmates yeah, running, yeah. or you can't invest in, you're not allowed to invest in these private companies. I think that's a problem. Regulator getting in the way of progress.
2: And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Tim for taking the time to sit down. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. One kind of uh, production note. After we spoke, a few days after, um, in fact, Theranos announced that it was effectively being wound up um, and giving whatever money he had left back to shareholders. I reached out to Tim to see if he had any kind of comments on that. I didn't hear back from him but as you heard he's pretty confident in Elizabeth Holmes I don't imagine that has changed but anyway um, just to give you that kind of production note that happened after we spoke but uh, like I said he was very confident in her as an entrepreneur and her idea and that's it so we talked at the top about the Bitcoin shuffle and of course I couldn't leave you without giving you a little taste so I'm gonna let Tim Draper Play us out with this song that he wrote and sang along with uh Kelly James. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks very much.
0: Bye-bye. Yeah, that's him. Everybody make some news for your boy Tim. Make some damn lines, cause that's Mr. Draper. Everybody here yet now let's say the words that you wrote on this song on the double. This is what we call the Bitcoin hustle when Sakashi. Nakamoto. Get a token, for perfecto No friction, cross-border, decentralized VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen
1: VoiceOver on, settings
0: So you can navigate it just by listening
1: Books, contacts, calendar, double-tap to open Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11
0: And get on with your day Accessibility There's more to iPhone.